It was on the first day of the week. We call it Sunday. I think in Lithuania it's the seventh day of the week, isn't it? But that's all right. The Bible calls it the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. It was the first Easter day, the first Easter day. It's a day that has been a holy day almost from the beginning of the church. Almost from the beginning. We know that Acts tells us that the disciples met on the first day of the week to break bread together. St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that on the first day of the week they were to set aside a certain amount of their money to give to, to the church in Jerusalem on the first day of the week because that's when they met. The book of Revelation has, has this vision of St. John and he tells us right in the first chapter that, that he had this vision when he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, on the Lord's day. This day, the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection. That's the day that Christians have met almost from the beginning. Within a couple hundred years, at least in the East, they started to talk about it though, not just as the first day, but as the eighth day, the eighth day. In other words, the Lord created, created the world and all that was in it in six days and rested on the seventh day. And on the eighth day, he brought forth this whole new creation, a new creation in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we meet on the first day or, or the eighth day. This is the day of the new creation. This is the day of the kingdom right here right now, on this day, this day. And it was on this day that Jesus came to them. And the scripture said the doors were locked. The doors were locked, and yet he came to them, and he stood among them. Isn't that an odd thing? I mean, the scripture tells us that, that he had a body. In fact, in Luke's story, Luke tells almost the same story. They're very similar. It's obviously the same, we're calling it the same event. Luke says that, that, he says, you can see I'm not a ghost. Ghosts don't have flesh and bones like I have. Flesh and bones. So if you don't believe me, give me a piece of fish. And he ate a piece of fish in their presence. So he is, he is real? How can I say it? He has a body? And yet at the same time, he passes through closed doors. You want me to explain that to you? Tough luck, I can't. It's, it's just a witness of the scripture that, that he's real, he's physical, he's there, and yet somehow he's different in that he can come into our presence, he can be with us in ways that, that we can't. We, we, I can't get through that door without opening it, but he can. In fact, he can come right here, can't he? right into our midst. And that's what he does. He comes into our midst. When he came to them that first Easter evening, that first day of the week, the very first thing he said to them was, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Wonderful words. Shalom. In Arabic, salam. In Swahili, salama. Uh, peace. Now it can be just a greeting. It can mean just hello. But it can mean so much more than that. Shalom in Hebrew means 
peace, but wholeness, wellness, fullness of life, love, forgiveness, all those things wrapped into one. And that's what he said to, to these people who had just betrayed him, ran away, who had been very unfaithful, and who were behind locked doors now because they were what? Afraid! This isn't that militant church of two or three months later. This is a, a, a group of people that were scared. And he came to them and said, peace be with you. You have my, my love, my forgiveness, the wholeness, fullness. It's all here for you. And then he showed them his hands and his side. You know, the two things go together. His, his offer of peace and the marks on his hands and side. Because it's the marks, the marks of the crucifixion that give the peace authenticity. It's those marks, it's his death, his suffering on the cross that says, you can believe me, you can trust me. I went all the way for you. Now some of us might think, well, it would, it, it, wouldn't it be more peaceful if he'd come without any marks on his hands? Wouldn't that be nicer? Well, it might be nicer, but I don't think it would help us in, in the slightest bit because it is those marks that show us how much we are loved. It is those marks that guarantee, if you will, guarantee the, the announcement that he makes that you are loved that you are his child, that you have his forgiveness, that, that he wants you forever and ever and ever. The marks are, are the sure sign and seal. I've said this before, I'm sure I'll, I, you know, you get old, you repeat yourself, and, and it gets worse and worse, I guess, but whatever. You know, Luther said that Jesus' promises are his last will and testament, his last will and testament. And when he dies on the cross, that, that last will becomes sealed forever. It can never be changed. It's there for all eternity. And so it is. His words of love and peace can never be changed. They were sealed on the cross forever and ever. One of the things I've said many times, and, and I won't apologize for saying this, is, is that, you know, as they were nailing him to the cross, all he needed to say was, ah, shucks, guys, I didn't really mean it. And they would have let him go. Well, figuratively, they would have let him go. See what I'm saying? If he had taken back his words, he didn't need to die. But he didn't take them back. He held those words to the very end. In fact, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he said to those who had run away, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And the words are sealed in those marks. But then he went on. He said it again, peace be with you. And he commissioned them. This, this frightened little group of people, frightened little group of betrayers, doubters, deniers. He said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So I send you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. 
If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. At that point, he commissioned these disciples, commissioned them to be, to be his spokesmen in the world, to carry his message to the world. But not just them. The whole church is commissioned to carry that message to the world, to bring peace to the world, to bring forgiveness and love to the world. That's, that's what he's commissioned us to do, you and me. And, you know, we do this every single week. We, we confess our sins in the prayers, and then we reach out in peace to one another. The peace of the Lord be with you. And he's authorized you to say that to one another. You know that? He's authorized you to be ministers of peace to one another. To, to if you, like him, to forgive the sins of your brothers and sisters. And I keep saying this over and over again. When you greet one another, when you shake hands or kiss or whatever, it's not just a, hi, how you doing? It is a sacramental act. You are at that point the voice, the tongue, the hand of Jesus himself reaching out to your neighbor. And today in particular, when you do that peace, when you share the peace, I want you to look each other person right in the eye. Look them in the eye and say in your head, say, I am the voice of Jesus speaking peace, love, forgiveness to my neighbor. And as they look you back in the eye, say the same thing. Say, hey, that's Jesus speaking his words right back to me. Words of love and forgiveness, joy, hope, fullness, words of peace. Because that's what he's commissioned us to do. But not just here. Not just here. We do it here, and it's important that we do it here, week by week by week, because it defines who we are as a people, that we are a people who love and forgive one another. But when we go out from here, we can do it too. Now, I'm not saying, you, well, I guess you could. You could just, every person you meet, you could say peace, and that would be all right. But that would become kind of like a hello, how you doing? I'm not asking you to do that. You know what, when you're in those intimate conversations with a friend or neighbor, when you are, and I'll put it just this way, when you hear your neighbor's confession, now you probably don't put it that way. It isn't usually said that way when it's between two friends. But when friends tell you the hardships of their lives, the failures of their lives, the difficulties of their lives, and that always happens. It happens to all of us. You have been authorized to say to them, the peace of Christ be with you. You've been authorized to say, Christ loves you. You're forgiven. There's a place for you in his kingdom. However much you've messed up your life or someone else has messed it up for you, you are loved. You are forgiven. And you have been authorized to do that. I'm telling you right now, it's not just, pastors do it publicly. We do it in, in the midst of the congregation. We shout it out. You do it in, in the privacy of your homes. You do it in the privacy of those little conversations. Luther called it the mutual conversation of the brethren and sisters. The mutual conversation and consolation, he called it. Mutual conversation and consolation. You have an opportunity to say those words and to hear them, to hear them neighbor to neighbor. Now, half this story 
is about Thomas. Poor Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas. I think, I think we're awfully hard on him. I don't think Thomas is any worse than any of us. And I don't really think that other half of the story, although it's seemingly about Thomas, and that's, it probably happens something just like that. Really, that part of the story is not about Thomas. You know who it's about, don't you? It's about you and me. It's about you and me. Because we come to these stories with the same kinds of doubts. Is Jesus really raised? Is he alive? If he is alive, is he the one that can pass through doors <laughs> without opening them? And still be somebody real? Does he really forgive me? I mean, Wagner talks about forgiveness and love all the time. But is that just drivel that comes out of his mouth? Or are those promises really sealed in the blood of Jesus? You see, we are the ones who doubt. We are the ones who, who oh, if I'd only been there, if I could only touched him. I touched her sore arm too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If we could only touch him, then we'd know for sure. But he says, blessed are those, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Who's he talking about? You. You've heard the word. And that's all you're going to get, guys, is the word. The promise. But it's a promise that's been sealed on the cross, sealed with blood. And the risen one lives to share that word with you. To share it through me, so that you can share it through each other. And he stands in our midst, not as a ghost, but as the body of Christ, speaking forth the promises. That's what he does. Speaks the promises to you and me so that we can go out, go out from the first five, six, seven days into the eighth day, the day of the new creation, and live our lives still in day two, three, and four, but at the same time, in day eight, knowing that we have a piece of that kingdom that is yet to come.